podcast that rewatches, reviews, and responds to every movie, show, and one shot in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm Alicia Thayer. I'm Al Rodriguez. And I'm Tony Camarena. So, this episode is going to be our first in our new format. It's going to be a little different. So, if you liked the old way, and um, we really appreciate that, but we thought we could have more fun and more discussion with this new version. In this format, we will start with a Wikipedia summary, just like we always have. And then after that, instead of recounting the whole episode, a whole part of the movie, we're actually going to just share our top three moments of the episode, possibly honorable mentions, and just discuss why those are our favorite parts of the movie. <clears throat> after that, we'll be doing the comic and MCU uh, connections and Easter eggs, which you know is my favorite part. Mine too. And then we're going to do our... Uh, what if question like we used to do at the end of just the final episode. Now the fifth part will happen on certain episodes. If it's part three of a movie or if it's just a regular episode, we're going to rank the episode versus the other movies or the other episodes in that series. Like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will be versus Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But Iron Man 2 will be versus the Incredible Hulk in Iron Man 1. And we'll rank them to see which one we consider is the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... In this episode, with our brand new format, we will be uh, covering Iron Man 2, Part 1. So we'll be covering from the beginning of the movie to the end of the battle with Venko at the racetrack. Yes. Alrighty, yeah. so uh, <laughs> as a reminder to everyone uh, about what you know actually happens during that first third of the movie, uh, one more time, stealing directly from Wikipedia... In Russia, the media covers Tony Stark's disclosure of his identity as Iron Man. Ivan Vanko, whose father, Anton Vanko, has just died, sees this and begins building a miniature arc reactor similar to Stark's. Six months later, Stark is a superstar and uses his Iron Man suit for peaceful means, resisting government pressure to sell his designs. He reinstitutes the Stark Expo to continue his father Howard's legacy. The palladium core in the arc reactor that keeps Stark alive and powers the armor is slowly poisoning him. He cannot find a substitute. Growing increasingly reckless and despondent about his impending death and choosing not to tell anyone about his condition, Stark appoints his personal assistant, Pepper Potts, CEO of Stark Industries, and hires Stark employee Natalie Rushman to replace her as his personal assistant. Stark competes in the Monaco Historic Grand Prix, where he is attacked in the middle of the race by Vanko, who wields electrified whips. Stark dons his Mark V armor and defeats Vanko, but the suit is severely damaged. All right. All right. So at this point, we're going to be starting to talk about our top three moments from the uh, show. Or in this case, from the, the movie. <laughs> yeah. This part of um, the film, anyway. Yeah. Uh, one thing that you might hear us do is called punting, which is something I stole from the Collider podcast. If we both have a choice on our list and some another person has it higher on their list, like my number three might be someone else's two or one, the other person will say we're going to punt that one. So we'll talk about when they reach it on their list. So Alicia, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is the boxing scene slash the transferring of Stark Industries into Pepper Potts' name. Yeah. Um, and that really is more because of the character development. And also, it helps prove my theory that Happy Hogan is uh, a superhero of some form. Because oh, even though okay. he takes on Natalie, uh, Natalie Rushman and goes to hit her and she takes him to the ground, he gets right back up. When we know what she is later, 
and well, she should have seriously I don't know what she heard is. She's him. just a um. She's. I mean, she's nothing special, isn't she? Just someone from legal. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. That was just her title, right? Just from legal. Yeah. Either way, he gets taken down and pops right back up when it looks like what she did to take him down was seriously damaging, uh, or it could have been in the way she did it, at least from my point of view, having done those sorts of martial arts. He should have at least been in some some pain, and he pops back up and does a little bit of grunting, but he doesn't seem really seriously hurt at all. Yeah, I, I actually considered that scene for one of my top three. It didn't make it. But I really liked it also mostly because uh, Happy's a jerk in that scene and he gets his comeuppance. That's yes. why I really like that movie, <laughs> that part of the movie. Yeah. Um, I also like it because it shows the more a little bit more character development between uh, Tony Stark and Pepper Potts and the fact that how she handles him, dealing with him. It's We saw a little bit of it in the first movie, but not nearly as much as we do now and mm -hmm. just her no you can't have that no it, <laughs> she's so relaxed and handling that it's it, it, it shows you the character development of the fact that they've been doing this for probably quite a few many years yeah actually there's something i want to ask you alicia and i didn't have a spot in our new format to ask you this so this is perfect sure. time to bring it up. I, you've gone on record in Iron Man 1 that you're not the biggest fan of Gwen, fan of Gwyneth Paltrow right i'm not yeah i and don't like her so much as we know that, like, Pepper is, like, an integral part of Iron Man's life. Mm -hmm. Who would you cast instead of her if you had oh. a chance? Oh, God. Um, good question. <laughs> I don't actually have another option because I've never actually thought about it because I just assumed that this was how it was and that's how it was going to stay, unlike the replacement of Rhodey. Um, <laughs> so I don't actually have another option for that. Uh I will think about it and let you know for the next episode, maybe. Yeah, uh, and you I'll can, get back you to you. You can actually one. turn the tables on me. Next episode, I'll be complaining about Natalie Portman as Jane Foster. So, you can ask Fair me enough. that question when we talk I about will Thor. Totally do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, my number three is actually um, Venko's building montage at the beginning of the movie. Yes. I chose that one because I love. Um, Symmetry, I love duality, and I love when a villain mirrors the hero. And mm -hmm. that is exactly, I mean, it obviously is a callback to uh, Tony in a cave with a box of scraps. Um, <laughs> and I just, I like that even down to the hammer um, on his version of the arc reactor. It's just a really cool callback to the first movie. I'd like to point out that even though it is a callback to the first movie, it's not a... He didn't do the exact same things that uh, Tony did in, in the cave with the box of scraps. Uh, it's nice mm -hmm. to look at their different methods and see how each genius does their own thing. And, and I like the fact that they definitely did that in this. So, Al, what's your number three? So, my number three is uh, just a part of one of the scenes, actually. Just a specific area of it. Um, so it's part mm -hmm. of the scene mm -hmm. where where Stark has been summoned to the um, to the whole court proceeding and everything, and they want to take his, his suit and all of that stuff. And there, there's a part where they're they're showing um, you know footage around the world of people trying to build an Iron Man suit his, and then he decides to yeah. show off the rest of the video. And by doing that, he hacks into those TVs with his phone type device. Uh, and then starts. Yeah, his, his, it's an LG, I remember. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> so he's he's using that to 
to go ahead and you know start playing whatever videos on those and and I just kind of like that they they show off this other tech that he has, you know, not just the Iron Man suit, but that kind of thing bring, brings me to some other questions. Like, how did he do it? Is it normal Stark tech? Is it just flat out normal tech in that universe? Um, was he I'm able to do it? It's probably his tech. Oh, sorry. His, his own, like, Stark company Stark? Because there's, I mean, he, he can't have created everything, right? I mean, we we can't make the assumption that he's made every cool thing he shows off he has to grab this from somewhere yeah i mean it's definitely i don't i want i wish the movies had like more villains who used to work for stark because he seems to obviously have some smart people that he also takes the credit for everything so that's we don't know that he does though well it seems like he does like um, the, he probably has engineers who built some of this stuff, and then everything is Stark tech. So you'd think that'd be like a Riddler in the Bat, uh, the terrible Batman movie, where he was jealous <laughs> of Bruce Wayne taking his ideas, that type of thing. I could see it, but some of it, like especially with the the hologram technology and the hacking, I feel from the phone, I feel like is more his tech. Um, it's not that other people can't do that. It's just from what we've seen of what, what he does with Jarvis and other things. Uh, I feel like that's more his thing. Um, I can definitely see the him having stolen the phone design or whatever that is from somebody else and just upgraded it. But I feel like that's his thing. Yeah, but at the same time, that was an LG phone. I mean, it, it sounds like that's just kind of a, a normal-ish device. And maybe that's you know, a normal device for someone who was willing to spend ten grand on a on a phone like that, but it's it's just kind of a another thing, some other technology in this universe, um, and just kind of mirroring yeah. that with real life. Um, you know, one of the things uh, Steve Jobs at Apple, his name was on a ton of patents. However, there were also mm. a ton of other people on a team that were also on those patents, and so you know, maybe there was. Mm-hmm a degree of working on that that he was a part of but in the end it was still there's a ton of work being done by some other team and so so i don't oh i was gonna say so i don't know how much you've worked in different industries for certain things but i do know that um for at least developmental industries if you are working for them you basically sign a contract that says that anything you make is theirs unless you're making it for yourself at your own home that's the company's property, which is how Stark and Stark and Hammer and anybody else would get away with that sort of thing. No, that's that's definitely true. Yeah, I'm I'm not arguing that it's not, you know, made by someone else or it's not owned by someone else. I'm just saying, is this something that was made by the company versus made directly by Stark? Yeah, that is this is this Tony Stark tech versus Stark Industries tech? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And also, is this just a flat out normal thing or? Is this something that has Stark Industries? Do they sell it? Does Shield have it? Yeah, I think we'll get more into that when we get into the I Netflix so. shows and the um, the Shield TV shows because we get more of a ground floor level of, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe compared well, to the big giant heroes. Since we're not talking about the episodes of anything yet we can however talk about the avengers movie because that has been long since out and at least going to the helicarrier and seeing the technology versus there versus what tony stark has i don't think so i think i really do think that's his tech i think he may have gotten the phone as a base model and just upgraded it 
Yeah, um, because they have good tech, They have, but they're, um, S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't have the level that Tony has. And they think no. a government agency, if it's something you could buy, you, they'd probably have it. Exactly. Yeah. All right, I'm going to move on to, I'll do uh, the first one for number two. Okay. My number two is the uh, Monaco fight, the fight on the racetrack. Okay, uh, quick question. Does that include the driving scene or not? Um, the, well, I liked the whole thing. So um, if we want to punt them, we'll talk about it together. That's totally fine. Punt it. All right, cool. Then, Al, what's your number two? My number two is the same as your number two. So I'll wait. Okay. <laughs> I'll wait until later. <laughs> uh, uh, Alicia, Alicia, what's your number two? My number two is the Stark Expo opening for okay. from where Tony lands to he walks off stage sort of thing. Yeah. We're good? I can talk about it? We're yeah, go. Yeah, it. good. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> no punting here. All right, cool. Uh, my first favorite part uh, out of that scene is just the superhero landing. I like watching the superhero landings. <laughs> I don't know why. It just is something that's like, yeah. It's like one of those things that get your blood pumping. And you're like, woohoo, let's go. We know what's going to happen. It, except not in this case because, well, obviously we're getting into the thing. Um, but I like that the, he has that really, really well-timed or something. I don't know how he knows when he's supposed to land there, especially being hit by that firework seemed to, would have seemed to have delayed him. But he lands like in perfect time. Mm-hmm. And he's got the dancers in the background and everything, which is awesome, by the way. Uh, I like watch, watching them. So, um, yeah. But he he does that. And then there's still, he's got it all perfectly timed. And he had to have built it personally in order to get the suit off, which means he had to bring either bring his own tech down there to build that. Because you know he wouldn't let anybody else handle the suit or anything to do with it. Yeah. So he had to personally build part of that stage to get that off. So it, it shows to me a little bit more of a dedication to what he's trying to put forth there. It's like he, it, it may have been selfish on his part, the way he wanted to do the landing, but he has personalized it to himself in the way that he knows he's going to be there. And he's really putting all forth for that scene. It's mm-hmm. like, he really does want the Stark Expo to succeed. Uh, whereas I, when I originally watched the movie, I was like, oh, it's something his dad did. He's just continuing the legacy. But going back and rewatching it now, I don't think that at all. I think he really, really does actually want that to succeed. And yeah. I have a little bit of issue with the scene at the same time as he's pulling the suit off. Um, we see the arc reactor very plainly on the suit mm-hmm. until he's out of it and it's hidden. Oh, I never under his that. suit. <laughs> I was like, um, if you can see it in the Iron Man suit, why can you not see it on your suit? That's actually the, like we know he didn't change. So what the heck? <laughs> so that's my little bit of issue with that. <laughs> I think that's a little bit of showmanship on his. Exactly. Like... Yeah. I mean, he probably just wanted to look cool, right? Well, yeah, so but my problem a, is you LED can see light. the arc reactor. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but yeah. I so he. Yeah, he put an LED, LED light right there on his chest just for this um, this production, and it probably is not usually there. It's just something you slide under it. But I want to go back uh, thinking about how you were talking about how he timed it and timed the landing even after he got fireworked. <laughs> <laughs> um, he got fireworked. <laughs> l- later in the movie, at the ending battle, he got all the drones flying after Tony, and he mm-hmm. um, Jarvis like tracks, like makes a... Um, like a trail through the globe, so it will destroy mm-hmm. a bunch of the drones. 
I think right. he, he might have been able to tell Jarvis to have him there at the perfect time, which is why after he gets hit by the firework, he accelerates to the ground. Like, yeah. you see him blast faster. So I, I think it's programmed. I would believe that, but mm-hmm. the problem is we don't hear anything for that. We hear in the opening scene before he jumps out of the plane, we hear some we hear some talking, but I think that's the pilot talking, just kind of yeah. letting him know what's going on. And I feel like if he was... If having Jarvis do that, I feel like maybe we would have heard something for that. At least it makes more sense to me to feel it. Yeah, well, yeah I maybe. I, I feel like Jarvis talks a lot more than we probably hear giving Tony updates or maybe having display on his um, HUD. I agree. There, I mean, there's no way yeah. they can tell us everything, right? There there are some things that we actually have to just kind of assume. And that's, that's actually kind of something that I'm going to talk about in our next podcast. Um, some assumptions okay but it's one of those things where you you kind of you know there's there's some leeway like well yeah they didn't say this but maybe we can make something up and then it kind of sounds good because i've started doing that way more with Mm -hmm. some movies and i think i Mm -hmm. enjoy them more now because of that i don't know where the term originated from but i've heard this a lot called headcanons where it's something yes. that makes sense in your brain to make a movie make sense. I'm a big fan of headcanons because a lot of a lot of uh, Marvel movies and a lot of other movies I love just don't make sense. I will so. be talking about some of those uh, in later episodes as well because I have quite a few of them because I yeah. like to read things that I probably should not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um... Let's go. We hit everybody's number two, right? Yep. I think that's oh, it yeah. for mine. Besides, oh, wait. Right. Uh, I wanted to talk about the character development for Tony showing a little bit of his selfishness in the uh, in his, the way he intros the Stark Expo. He yeah. just, he basically makes it about himself and yet not. So that's it. That's all I had for that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'll actually keep going this, making this go a little longer. Um, okay. I, uh, part of the intro that I really like, which I can talk about, was... Um, the Howard Stark video because that's uh, definitely an homage to Walt Disney and his, mm-hmm. uh, his Disneyland uh, TV show that lasted from 1954 to 58. Just talking about the world of tomorrow and all that stuff. And as a big Disney fan, I really like that stuff. Yeah, that's one of the few Disney things I actually have not seen. And I'm, if not as big of a Disney fan, more of a big Disney fan than you are because... I have Probably. One. I mean, I'm not going to compete about that. Maybe if we start on a Disney podcast, we'll talk about that. Ooh, I would love that. <laughs> we'll, we'll see how much of this podcasting takes over our lives, and we'll, okay. we'll talk about it. All oh. right. Um, so we've been hinted at Alicia, what's your number one? I mean, it's going to be a shock to everybody. <laughs> it's the it's the big fight scene but my my favorite part of that isn't just the fight scene it's more the driving because again i am convinced that happy hogan is superhuman in some way oh, yeah, i'm not sure how reflexes. yeah that's exactly it he has some super reflexes he drives onto that track crashing through a barrier and nearly collides with a car oncoming car that is going at least 120 miles an hour and swerves out of the way with split seconds Mm-hmm. to do it he got he has some superhuman reflexes there i don't know how else to explain that yeah um yeah that was my number two but not just that part the entire fight scene mm-hmm. because it's kind of like a microcosm of why we like the iron man movies where it's yes. got the action it's got the um 
the person who are Tony Stark's uh, cockiness thinking he could just get in that car and drive and it's not going to be a big deal and then he can take on Whiplash without a suit thinking right because he bashes got... him in the back of the head like it's <laughs> going to do something yeah with a car door <laughs> um, we've got uh, the humor of them just screaming as Whiplash is trying to get them with the whips and he oh, Happy keeps running him over over and over again which we've again, got awesome yeah We've got Tony's um, sidekicks, which in, it doesn't have Rhodey, but it's got Happy and Pepper, who mm-hmm. a lot of people love. And then it's got the amazing new suit and action scene. So it's just right. like, it didn't make it for my number one, but I did. it was really hard between my number one and my number two. Yeah, the reason why it made my number one was uh, partially because I really, really do like that entire scene as a whole. But mainly it was just my awe of the the reactionary things that happen in there, like with Happy Hogan driving and how Tony uh, makes the split second decision to basically hide from Vanko to get him later and fight as he is. Uh, It's just the the culmination of the decisions they make. It's so they have to make them so rapid fire that it was just like, I don't know that I would have thought of that. So, yeah. Now, Al, this was your number two, yeah, right? Yeah, so this was my number two also, and, you know, it was, I, I enjoyed it, it was good, but it, you know, the, the reason this was my number two and not my number one is because it was kind of just a mediocre fight, right? Vanko walks out there, you know, we show, we, or he he has the whip things, and he's hitting some cars and making them blow up and making you know, people just kind of fly 50 feet away or something, uh, but it's just kind mm. of a, he shows up, and then the hero struggles a little bit. Eventually, he's no longer at uh, at uh, his normal disadvantage, right? Because, you know, Vanko shows up and he has his superpowered-type suit. And Tony has nothing. Yeah. And so once Tony actually has his suit, once they're on, you know, their, their max, each of them, mm-hmm. then it's, it's over in a second, right? Iron Man just kind of mm-hmm. hits him once and then that's it. He's done. Um. It's a beginning fight. It, it wasn't... I don't think... I mean, we find out later that Vinko isn't really there to kill him. I think he would have, he would have liked to have killed him, but he, that wasn't... It wasn't really his main goal, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, I feel like he... It, was, it wasn't going to be... He didn't want to take him out, so maybe he didn't try as hard as he would have as if he really, really wanted to kill him. Um, so yeah. I think that's why the fight's a little more lackluster than what we would like to have seen. Uh, mm-hmm. but that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I'll do my number one. My number okay. one, I, I almost punted Al's, but Al just like, uh, was talking about that one part of the, um, the Congress scene or the Senate scene, but I mm-hmm. liked the whole part of him being at the Senate and it's just a complete display of why everybody likes Robert Downey Jr. in this role. He's charismatic. He's cocky. He's um, he's just funny. And like just like how people love Robert Downey Jr., even though Iron Man's probably not the morally best character, everybody would mm-hmm. love Tony Stark were he a real person. Even though... Yeah. Yeah, there are other heroes that are probably in that world are probably one of their favorites. So that scene almost made almost made my top three. Uh, I just I, I figured somebody else would call upon it. So, um, but it 
I agree with you. The charisma for this and the way he handles it, like I, I don't imagine all of that was just the 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 script for that, um, because the way yeah. seeing uh, Robert Downey Jr. react like that and then going to the Sherlock movies he did, it's very very similar in some tastes in that of how he handled the, it and knowing mm-hmm. that he likes to do a little bit of improv it. It helps things. Oh yeah, and definitely John Favreau likes Indian improv. <laughs> yeah, so th- this this is a kind of scene of a movie that I actually really dislike. So uh, a pet peeve of mine are annoying characters or or annoying, um, you know, annoying events that can happen. And so as an audience, we're basically led to believe, you know, the the who was it, Senator Stern, I think was his name. He's just, yes. you know, he's going very far out of his way to just make Tony the the bad guy and doing all this stuff. And then Justin Hammer shows up kind of the same way. And they're just the annoying bad people that we're supposed to hate. And and the, the part of that, it's just one of those things that, that really kind of gets on my nerves and pulls me out of watching a movie. Eh, I get it. But uh, I think in this scene, what helped for that is... He gets shut down real fast. Both both of them. Uh, I mean, part part of the reason I really like the scene too is because we get the annoying character, but we get the other character who we're not really supposed to like, but we do anyway. Who just basically shuts them down. Uh, the senator goes to basically be like, "Here's the stuff that's going on." He gets Rody to force forces Rody to read different things out of his report that have terrible connotations out of context and then decides to do a bunch of other things and tony's just like yeah no yeah um yeah and then you brought up Rody coming in this which is another part why i like this was my number one was the fact that they changed the actor and they were just like deal with it yeah which a, a lot maybe they were very a, unapologetic a about it yeah, would either, shh, no one will notice, or maybe other studios would not even bring that character back if they didn't have the other actor. So I'm the, glad they there did was, that. I don't think there's a way for them not to bring that character back. There, There's a way to do a worse movie um, by not bringing the character back, or do a worse cinematic universe. I feel like, um, I mean, this is not a podcast to just crap on DC, but I feel like DC might do something like that. Where, oh, this character's not working, but everyone's going to realize if we recast it, so we're either going to keep going with this bad idea, or we're never going to bring that character back again. I feel like that's something mm-hmm. another studio would do. And So, Al, oh, what's your number one? Oh, okay. So, oh. oh, never mind. No, no, keep going. No, no, no. I, you know, I was just kind of you know, talking about the whole recasting thing. Um, you know, we're, we're at so many movies now, so many years. Actors, actresses are pretty close to the end of their you know, contracts that they've signed. I would love it if you know they just recast someone as the same character and kept the same universe going and this is like a completely later thing but they've kind of done it once before to be fair he was kind of a minor minor character and you know even since then it's just kind of been he'll show up for a scene or two in in some movies but i i hope that means you know they're open to this idea of doing that again that they're not going to shy away with away from it especially because we know that uh chris evans doesn't intend to come back for more yeah. movies after his contract's done. He wants to be yeah. the director. 
But I, on the flip side of that, I like how in the comics, um, you know, Falcon has been Captain America. Um, when a soldier's been Captain America, there's a new Iron Man with this uh, Riri Williams, which I haven't read any of her stuff. But right now, Iron Man's uh, like a 19-year-old uh, black girl. Oh, she's Who younger than that. Her own Iron Man suit. Oh, she's younger than that. Or she's like how, fourteen she? or fifteen, oh, something like that. Yeah, I've, oh, I've been yeah. I've been reading oh, wow. those. I'm entertained. Yeah, um, but I'm like, I would love them to switch characters, and then in five years, if Chris Evans has a change of heart, he can come back for a multi Captain America story, or we could cool. still have Tony as like, oh, he'll show up for five minutes in an Ant-Man movie or something, but he won't be Iron Man anymore, but he'll still be Tony Stark. I like that. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Alright. Mm-hmm. So, Al, what is your number one? So, my number one, um, just <laughs> like you, how you almost punted when I was talking earlier, I also almost punted when Alicia was talking about her uh, number two. Um, so, yeah. this is, uh, so, your number two was that beginning scene uh, right from where he lands to after. Mine was everything up until that mm-hmm. point. So the start of the movie up until when he does land. Um, and this is kind of okay. a short thing. It was just like, you know, what was it, like 30 seconds or something, maybe a minute. But it just, mm-hmm. it started the movie. It was great. It got me into it. Um, we saw him get hit by a firework, which I thought was hilarious because he's, you know, the, the rest of the movie we see he's able to do all this cool stuff. But no, nope, single firework just hits him. But it keeps on going. Uh, we have the cool music. And mm-hmm. also, even better than that, this movie starts, it draws me into it, and it didn't have to do some kind of stupid, like, three weeks before, or 36 hours before type of deal, as uh, I complained. Well, it started yeah. with the before. Uh, I mean, no, no, that's a completely separate thing, right? Well, no, it, it starts with the before, and then goes to the six months later, so technically we start with the the before stuff but it was a good way to do it it's not like hey here's where we were we are and this is where we are and this is where we were and now we're jumping back to the thing like we did in the first iron man movie i remember you didn't like that so much no no this is the the opposite of that because in the first iron man movie it started and then it said what was it 36 hours before some amount of time before right and in in this movie it starts in the before and then it progresses linearly like like real time does and that's that's right. what you know i don't like how it worked in that first iron man this i was cool with um right that's what i said <laughs> yeah um the question is how are you going to feel about that when they do it in thor and they do it in captain america because it just occurred to me how many times they do that but we'll they talk about that in those movies <laughs> yes um all right so next we're moving on to uh our comic and marvel mcu connections and easter eggs so before i start because you know i have quite a few do you guys have any connections or easter eggs you guys want to talk about real quick oh yeah give me a sec <laughs> okay I, had mine. I gotta find my notes i have paper notes instead of electronic oh that's fine um... well i'll talk about uh one real quick while you're looking for that alicia um mm-hmm. i'm going to start keeping track of superhero landings in honor of you oh so, yay as- by my count, and tell me if I'm wrong, because I'm going from... I didn't re-watch Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk, but I believe the beginning of the Stark Expo is our third superhero landing, with our first one being Iron Man's landing in Afghanistan and um, to fight the terrorists, and our second one was when Hulk burst out of the Skywalk uh, at the college campus. 
I feel like Iron Man had two of them in there, though. Yeah, maybe, maybe I'll, maybe I will go back and watch it. Just fast forward through the movie and see if I catch a superhero yeah. movie. But yeah, as of right now, I'm, I'm pretty. I think it's the third one. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, did you find your notes? Uh, yeah, I don't have anything for the first part of the movie. I've got things for other parts. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got a few things, not dozens and dozens like previous episodes. So I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I've made sure to keep it just with MCU and uh, Marvel stuff, not Walt Disney stuff or other technologies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, next thing I'm going to talk about is our Stanley cameo. Yeah. Because that's the one Easter egg everybody gets by now. Right. So yes, yeah, Stanley shows up as Larry King, who I still don't know because Alicia and I had a conversation earlier. We don't know if it's a late night show or if it's a just a new show because I never bothered to look it up. <laughs> I never did either. But... <laughs> um, so this is kind of one of yeah. those things that's um, that changes or has changed since they've been doing these movies a lot. You know, in the first Iron Man mm-hmm. and this one, the second one, uh, Stan Lee shows up as some other real life type of person, right? He shows up in this case. Yes. Uh, but previously he was, who was it? Hugh Hefner or maybe someone looking like Hugh Hefner. Yeah. He was mm-hmm. Hugh Hefner yeah. in the first yeah, one. Yeah. He was Hugh Hefner. And then I, I don't know about some others, but I pretty much all of the more recent ones, he's just been a random person, just someone kind of there in the area. Yeah. Well, there's actually a solution to that, but we cannot talk about that because this episode comes out, uh, a little before the movie that they'll answer all of our questions. Yes. So we can't but, talk about uh, spoilers. Nope, not yet. <laughs> so soon, yeah. though. One of the, um, probably Thor, will get to talk about it. Yeah. Um, next, what I want to talk about is I'm going to be keeping track of actors who are other superheroes. Mm-hmm. So in this one, we've got two other superheroes. We've got Olivia Munn, who plays a character in this movie called Chess Roberts, the reporter. But she's Psylocke in X-Men Apocalypse and presumably future X-Men movies. Who's an, uh... Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's... Um... Oh, oh, you're talking about the, the reporter girl, the, the yeah. one with the dark hair? So yeah. uh, she was... Um, I know it's not a superhero, but uh, I re-watching it, I was like, oh, I know her because I watched the newsroom and I really like yeah. that show. Oh, yeah, she was in that. She was really good in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we have the uh, U.S. Marshal, who actually doesn't have a name in this, is Kate Mara, who's actually a bigger star now. But uh, she's in Fan Stick as Sue Storm, a.k.a. The Invisible Woman. So For which one? For uh, Kate Mara plays uh, Sue Storm in Fan Stick in the oh, okay. terrible the new... One. The newest Fantastic Four, which... The one I haven't seen. Yeah. Um, and the, When you say newest, the newest as of this recording considering today is as of July 31st, the, 2017. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the 2015 Fantastic Four, um, where she, I mean, considering the low point, the very low point that movie represents, she's not terrible in it. She's, I mean, she doesn't give a lot, get a lot to work with, but she's not bad. Okay. But she's uh, good in House of Cards and stuff. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, just an update on Larry King. Apparently, six thirty, so not a late night. Aha! It's a mid-evening show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I've got a few, um, like comic uh, Easter eggs where mm-hmm. uh, Anton Venko, Ivan Venko's father, 
he was the original Crimson Dynamo, who was a Soviet villain against Iron Man. So that's the name of his character. And then uh, when he gets, when uh, Ivan Venko gets a fake passport, the name on it is Bor- Boris Turgenov, who was the second Crimson Dynamo. So we've got a lot of Crimson Dynamos in this, which how many times I'm going to say that? I have no idea. <laughs> crimson Dynamo, Crimson Dynamo. You say it five times fast. No, no, because I'm already getting tongue tied. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've got uh, Natalie Rushman in this, who the name Natalie Rushman in the comics is a alias for Black Widow, which I have no idea why they would give this random character an alias for Black Widow. It's just, it's really weird. I shake my head so. <laughs> and then uh, we've also got one of my favorites, the Mark V case, the suitcase. Uh, because that's how Tony used to bring his armor from one place to another back in the comics before he released his secret identity. Mm. Because he, uh, Iron Man was apparently Tony Stark's uh, bodyguard, like they were going to say at the end of the first movie. Yes. So they couldn't show him just showing up in the Iron Man suit. And then we've got a couple MCU connections. Uh, the first one, and most obvious, this is a sequel to 2008's Iron Man, in case you guys didn't right. know. Yeah, so it connects to that movie. Um, and then it also, takes place. This... <laughs> oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say it takes place the same time as the Incredible Hulk, doesn't it? Yeah, but um, we'll see that in the third part of this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then we've also got uh, the Stark Expo, which is first seen in 1942 in the first Avenger, a few movies from now, because uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Steve and Bucky and their dates go there and then last one i want to say uh because my friend informed me that uh we didn't know what car tony was driving uh this is not an easter egg it's just for my friend tyler in the first one he was driving an audi r8 and in this one he's uh, driving an audi r8 v10 spider Ooh. so yeah that's all my well, it is uh, the newest model eggs. It is it is the newest model. <laughs> when did that car come out? Was it 2010? I'm I'm guessing 2010. Maybe it might be a 2011 model. I'm sure uh, if Tyler listens to this, he'll tell me. It's the Audi R8 Spider. V V10 Spider. Oh, V10 Spider. R8 yeah. V10 Spider. Yeah, it's my gut would tell me it's like the next year's model. They're probably promoting it in this movie, but I'm not sure. Alright, well that's the end, that's the last Easter egg I have, so I think it's time to move on to our question of the episode. That's right, so, cool, so uh, our what-if question, um, just like we've done previously before, uh, now we're going to be doing them uh, every episode, essentially. So, uh, the question that we have today is, what would a blank expo look like? Or, what would the Stark Expo look like if it was hosted by blank, so if it was hosted by that character? So... Uh, just like before, we're using the same 16 characters, and today's random number gives us number 10, who is Loki. So, what would a Loki expo <laughs> look like? Uh, chaos. It would look like chaos. No, I think it, I think that would It'd be, be green, fun. green, gold, black, and chaos. It would probably be fun. Uh, you, you know, it would, it would probably still be just as uh, decked out over over Stark Iron Man stuff as it is a Loki stuff because they're both very much yeah. full of themselves type of characters. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. a, a lot of green and gold instead of red and gold. But yeah. Yes. Um, I feel it might be a a little bit stark with the ego and a little bit of the Joker with like the trickster aspect of Loki. Where it would, be... it would just be messing with people who came to see it. Okay, think of like the Riddler's like uh the like the maze sort of thing going on. I feel like it would be that, but not exactly. It would be you'd go through a kind of maze sort of thing that would give you a bunch of different cool things to look at, but there would be a lot of jokes along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there'd be yeah. that. You know, it would still have to be an expo, right? I mean, it's still showing stuff off. So, so what would what would Loki Expo like show off? What kind of magic? Uh, yeah, magic. Magic, uh, a lot of his, uh, uh, weapons. Yeah, a, a lot of his imagined conquests. Like this is when he saved Odin from the ice giants. <laughs> this is when he successfully took over Asgard and stuff like that. I don't know that it would be imagined conquests because I know if you go through, at least in the comics, uh, yeah. following through him and Thor had a a ton of adventures. I don't know mm-hmm. that he would need to make up conquests. Well, maybe not make uh, them I up. I think he could just pull from there. Well, may- maybe yeah. not make them up, but yeah, instead, maybe... you know, just kind of embellish it a lot. Yeah. Oh, yes. It's their Asgardian. Of course they're going to embellish. Have you seen Thor? <laughs> well, yeah, that, and then he's, he wants to be the alpha. He wants to be... Thor. He's jealous of Thor, and that's his main motivation. So it'll be about a lot about how he's better than Thor. I yeah. See, I have some issues with that, but we'll get to those later because that's for another movie. <laughs> okay, next movie. Actually, we've got two mm-hmm. more yes. weeks of this, I know, I'm and then yeah. <laughs> I'm so or, um. All right. So I feel like we answered that pretty succinctly. I think so uh, too. Yeah. Sounds good to me. So, uh, uh, we, yeah. Uh, we need to rank the Hulk. Oh yes, good thing you said that because I was I was not looking at the schedule and I was about to blow right past that. <laughs> yeah, last time for the Incredible Hulk, we forgot to rank it against all the other movies we've completed so far. So currently, our list stands like this: Iron Man is number one, and that is it. <laughs> so, so adding the Hulk in, where do we people vote? Um, um, let's see. It's not like this is the obvious answer, but I think Iron Man might be the superior movie too. I think it's the superior movie. I mean, there it's it's really a toss up. You know, they they both have a lot of things <laughs> that are very similar. They both had their their monster just kind of hide in the in the dark before they actually fight. Uh, they had a couple of other things, but Which yeah, I'd, I'd say we have um, not seen for this. Yep, I'd say Iron Man. One better than, better than Hulk. All right. So our current ranking is Iron Man in the first place, the original Iron Man in the first place, and then the Incredible Hulk. And when we hit the end of Iron Man Two Part Three, we will rank it among the movies as well. Awesome. All right. So this was the Marvel Cinematic Rewind. You can uh, like us and subscribe and Facebook us and Twitter us. And do all those things. And really, I want some feedback of what you guys think of our new format. If you like it, if you dislike it, if there's any way we can improve, that'd be amazing. This was the Marvel Cinematic Rewind for Iron Man 2 Part 1. Have a marvelous day.